Welcome everyone to the Sacred Hockey Mask. I am Peter and joining me as always is... Lady Shasha, the mistress of a snark, coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. Is it actually sunny today? Yes, it actually is. Oh, that's nice. Although we had a lot of rain over the weekend because we caught the outer bands of um, Hurricane Ida. Ah, I think think I'm ready for... I'm ready for for autumn to kick in and Mm -hmm. take summer away. I'm sick of the sun now. Uh, but this is a horror movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie, and we talk about it. Uh, we're still working through some old vote winners from Patreon from before this show even existed. But today, mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at a film from... I mean, it's listed as 2019, so I guess it came out in a festival or two back in 2019, but it didn't come out to the public really until 2020. And that is Saint Maud, uh, which is a film that had an interesting trailer. It got some good buzz when it came out, uh, so I was looking forward to checking this out. Um and neither of us had seen this before until... Yeah, until last night. Until, until for this, yeah. Uh, so uh, so I was very curious to see what this was, was going to be. I didn't really know exactly what it was about beyond just... Obviously, there was going to be some religious imagery or themes and that it was about a carer who was looking after a, a, a dying woman, right? That was all I, I knew and I went into this. So obviously, we're going to start spoiler-free. Uh, which is probably going to be a relatively short section because I feel like there's going mm-hmm. to be a lot in this that is definitely needing the spoiler section to really dig into it. But uh, we'll, we'll get into the just the general impressions, some you know technical stuff, and like the 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 broad strokes of like the good and bad qualities of the movie. Um, but this is a uh, written and directed by Rose Glass, and it is her feature length debut. Uh, she's done uh, some short films before. I, I looked her up, but this is her first feature length movie. So. Uh, and it is, I, I believe it is classed as a British movie. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's an American character in it, but it is set in the UK. Uh, the lead actor, and it's Welsh. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Film 4 is one of the uh, studios behind it, which usually indicates British. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, an A24 distributed it, at least in the US, if not most places. So, uh, and, you know, when you see A24... And you see the word horror. Mm-hmm. There's potential I, there. There's potential. Yeah, I find myself liking A24 movies more often than not. Except Screw Slice. Such a, that was such a slam dunk of a goddamn movie concept, and it was terrible. It was Did a, you say the movie Slice? Slice, yeah, the pizza. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was so disappointing. The trailer yeah. looked so good. The, tra- the trailer was good, and then it was like a... It was like a series of sketch characters who had no plot or mm-hmm. character or interesting stuff to do. I don't know. It was, it was, me and Tim tore that one apart. We were so excited mm-hmm. about that movie as well. Uh, but St. Maud is obviously not that. That was more of a horror comedy. This is a more serious, slow burn, mm-hmm. character study horror film, psychological, where it feels like a horror movie. You're expecting it to get horrific, but it you know it, it doesn't get there too quick. It's a slow mm-hmm. build of just like okay, where are we going with this? It feels like we're uncomfortable. It feels like we're building to something nasty. That's you know this is and it's going to feel earned when we get there because of the way it's building. But it's not a movie where there's going to be like you know ten murders in the first thirty minutes. Oh, yeah. that, that's not what this is. I would compare it to um the House of the Devil, the way that mm. one had a slow burn. To a, a climactic ending. Uh, so that's a very good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I I very very much like that one. Uh, so I guess without further ado, I shall ask the 
the sacred question on the sacred podcast to my sacred co-host, <laughs> Shasha. What did you make of St. Maud? I actually had this on my watch list for a while, and I was disappointed that I couldn't see it until just now, because in America, it was on a festival circuit for almost mm. a year. So it wasn't available streaming anywhere. And finally, it pops up on, on Hulu. So I was very happy to see that, because I like quiet, atmospheric horror sometimes. I know people know me as the gore connoisseur, but I also like quiet, atmospheric, slow burn horror movies. Yeah. So, with an independent feel. This had a very independent... I don't know whether it was an independent movie, but it felt like an independent movie. Um, I, I don't think it technically is, but it, it, mm-hmm. it... British films tend to look independent compared to Hollywood movies just because mm-hmm. they're usually smaller in scale. Uh, so I get what you mean. But what, what, what did you think? Did, did you like the movie? I did. I was... I was especially since I did not expect the ending that I got. Actually, I don't know what I expected because when I think about it, the trailer was a little bit vague, which I like. I do yeah. not like when horror trailers spoil the movie or give away too many plot points or show you all the best scenes. So this kudos to them for making a good trailer that didn't spoil the movie. Honestly, for most horror movies, especially movies like this, I, all I mm-hmm. want from a trailer is a sense of tone and style because the tone and mm-hmm. style will sell me on the movie. I don't want to know anything about it other, other than that. Uh, I also like this quite a bit. In fact, I, I like I was really into it from the get go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it, I said this about the last movie we did, but this did also look. It was shot in film. It did not have that clean mm-hmm. digital look. I thought the lighting and cinematography felt very, like focused, very stylized, and not in like a flashy way. Not like it was doing like a bunch of weird like stuff that was stuck out, but it was very intimate. It was very very close up it was it felt like a really well thought out confident piece of direction and 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 the way that you know sometimes when things get too flashy it can feel like the director is is feeling a lack of confidence so they're they're just throwing techniques they know to try and Mm -hmm. make it feel this felt like it knew when to just be a static shot it knew when to just be a simple close-up uh you sort of felt this this girl the main character uh mod like her claustrophobia her mm-hmm. introverted nature her uncomfort everything around her because that's ultimately what this movie is it's a movie from her perspective and mm-hmm. everything she's going through how she feels and she has a very narrow specific view in the world and you sort of learn what that is as the movie goes on and there's like teases at the start of like, okay something happened in her past we'll get to that but like i thought it was a re- really strong character horror film that um you know i was thinking about it for a bit after i, I watched it and I, I think the ending is actually quite good uh, I, I i like the ending and uh i'm looking forward to talking about that when we get you know deep into the spoilers but um i i would i would say i like this quite a bit i i would compare this uh director to someone like lars von trier i don't know if you're familiar with his oh, work yeah, but yeah yeah it was giving me uh, kind of tones of that. I'd say, yeah, to- I-, I think that may- that name might scare some people away who shouldn't be scared because I don't think it's as... Oh, not a- the storyline is not as extreme as what Lars Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as the... off-putting. And I would even yeah. say it's as slow as... But I can definitely see the comparison in the, mm-hmm. the really uh, consistent methodical pacing and the mm-hmm. kind of just slightly artistic visual style 
but not overly flat. Like, yeah, I can definitely see the comparisons. The kind of, kind of the uh, the that foreboding presence and tone that feels like it's mm-hmm. building to something bad. Like throughout, I, I I can definitely see the comparison. Uh, so yeah, I I like this a lot. Like I I I was kind of you know I was feeling it early on, and I was like, okay, I hope this this keeps this up, and it kind of sticks the landing where it's going. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shook things up in a way that I wasn't expecting. It kind of oh yeah, I was expecting it to be one thing the whole movie, and it, about halfway through it, it actually does something to change the not the premise but change the the setting and change what mm-hmm. we're doing for a while as oh i wasn't expecting this refreshing change of pace if you will in the middle and it it really did do a lot to help the movie kind of stay fresh stay interesting because i felt like we were always exploring new aspects of mod's character and who she is and why she is the way she is and and what we're doing with her so uh, there's a lot to talk about before we get to spoilers i can't really say anything else uh, to be honest at this point but um so, uh, I mean, what did you think of the performances, the, the the cast? I mean, there's two real actors to talk about, really. Well, the the two characters, Maude and Amanda, is what what basically hold the movie together. If those two actresses were not strong, this movie would have fallen apart. So, I think they mm-hmm. did an amazing job. Ab- absolutely, and it's not because the rest of it's not tip top because it is. It's actually a really well directed movie and you know really well written, but. As a, a character drama, slow build mm-hmm. horror movie, it needs to have the, the, the at least the lead character, the actor needs to be hitting those notes and has to. And this this is such a, you know, a a sleek, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of mousy person. You know, she's a very very small. Mm-hmm. She's she's very quiet. She's uh, awkward. Awkward. Yeah. All all these things, and she plays that to to a key. And Amanda, the other the the, the sick woman who who's, who's there to care for as a sort of live in nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda is loudmouth. She's swearing constantly. Uh, she's always smoking and drinking. She she is mm-hmm. the complete and utter opposite in every way, uh, and just happens to be dying, which is mm-hmm. kind of this you know this difference between them, which really kind of sings. Um, and I think the previous nurse at the start made me laugh because I think it was, I think she was I want to say she was Irish, mm-hmm. but when she comes in and we haven't quite gotten a sense of who Maud is yet, right? We don't know exactly what her temperament is or like we know she's religious at this point. We've had like one quick scene to explain that, but other than that, there's not really like you know we get to know her through her actions, through how she interacts with people. So mm-hmm. because it's right at the start, we don't really know much about her yet. And the first t- reaction that kind of gives you something is that when the previous living nurse is just rushing out as quick as she can, she's like, okay, this is what you have to give her before dinner, and she's up there, and this is where you can sleep up there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm off, bye-bye. Uh, but just before she goes, Maud says, oh, hey, you know, how is she? Right? And she sort of says it in a really meek and kind of serious way where she's asking, like, how is she? And the previous nurse goes, oh, she's a bit of a C-word. <laughs> mm-hmm. But have fun, and just walks out. And I think the kind of the awkward sort of shock <laughs> on Maud's face like just tells you a lot about her. Uh and like she she clearly is not comfortable with this like maybe I mean not so much the language, although I'm sure she doesn't like it, but more just like how flippant this previous character is about ah, she's a you know, she's a bit of a cow. Mm-hmm. And cow's not the word she used, obviously, but I'm just Yeah. I'm, I'm... I see I see you next Tuesday is what I'm <laughs> hey, I, see, I see you next yeah. Tuesday, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know the, the the way it comes out so casually, and she she just is like standing there in shock. Uh, and for the record, you know, for 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 folk who are 
and for, uh, I was going to say from other countries, just Americans. For Americans, like the C word is a bit more casual, <laughs> right? Typically mm-hmm. in the UK, uh, it's even more casual in Australia, from what I understand. But yeah. it's it's not unusual, you know, for that to be thrown around and not be a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, uh, it, but that, that's kind of your first your first beat with that character to kind of like give you a sense of like how she's going to perceive things. And as the movie goes on, you get more in depth and and so on and so on. Uh, but the movie is, uh, you know, extreme. And I think this lead actress, uh, I should get her name actually, hon. Uh, Morfid Clark. It's a very weird name. Uh, I'm not surprised she's turned out to be Welsh because that's a very weird, probably Welsh name. Um, but sh- she has to do a variety of things. And I, I feel like... This is the sort of performance that could be written off by many when they see it. If they, if they just watch five minutes of it, they go, ah, oh, she's just sitting looking moody. Like, that's all it is. Like, there's nothing to this. But mm-hmm. she has to do so many, like, subtle things and the way she reacts to everything around, especially in the back half of the movie when things start to get a bit more extreme and it's a bit more of a, you know, this bubbling sort of thing. Because um, if, if I was trying to sell this movie to someone without spoiling much, I think I would kind of describe it as how someone in their own head can kind of manipulate themselves with a delusion mm-hmm. that leads to something bad. That that would be like as far as I would go and that's how I'd maybe try and sell it. And that's very much like that and that's what makes it a character movie because it's all about how she interprets things, how she reacts to things, and how she's kind of clinging to something that's ultimately proving toxic because of how she's interpreting it and because of how she's using it. And it's it's really well done stuff and I, I think the performance has a, a lot of subtleties uh there's some stuff that i, I learned after i watched that i thought was kind of neat about something else that she does in this movie that i didn't realize um and she plays off the the opposite of amanda really well who's a mm-hmm. you know again very much more of a character much more of a and she's not like a like you know she's a bit of a loudmouth like artistic character who's very bitter and sarcastic and whatever. Abrasive sometimes. Yeah. You know, maybe she was always like this, but she's probably worse because she's dying. Because she's... Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, fair enough. If you're dying, you're probably going to... Maybe some of your worst tendencies might mm-hmm. come out a little bit. Like, I'm not going to critique that <laughs> as a human flaw. But, um, yeah, so performances are good. Uh, cinematography is great. Lighting's great. Music is unobtrusive you know it's just very pulled back and, and subtle uh there's definitely some moments where the bass goes into like sort of like a, a pulsing overdrive at one point mm-hmm. where i was really feeling that rumble towards the end um but no i i would say i would go as far as this is a great movie and i, I think uh when we get to spoilers uh, like i think sort of talking about that and talking about what it's actually doing is where we're going to really get to the the fruit of that but uh, now that you mentioned so. it, I didn't even notice the soundtrack, which to me signals to me that it works so well that it just became a part of the story. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, there was definitely a lot of silence as well. Don't get me wrong; it's definitely a movie that you knew when to use silence. But uh, there was music, and it did blend in so well. And it, it was because um, it can go two ways. You you can have music where it's unmemorable because it just wasn't that good and it'll be you remember you you remember it happening but you don't remember you, you can 
not even necessarily sing it, but just you couldn't even think it in your head because it was just mm-hmm. so forgettable. This is not that sort of case. I mean, not that I could sing this, but that's because of the type of music that it was. It was, you know, it was slow, it was brooding, it was foreboding, it was all these things. It wasn't, you know, it didn't have a melody. <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. like, la da 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 St. Mott's is a movie, but the woman... <laughs> It might be crazy. I, <laughs> I did learn something about the UK that I didn't know. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that, that you guys also had a Coney Island there. I don't know if that's what the place is called. I I, I know why I said that because I know it's because because for, for a second I legitimately thought, wait, is this set in New York? <laughs> like, yeah, because I, I saw the sign that said <laughs> Coney Island. And I was like, that's But it, it doesn't look <laughs> this is the thing. It looks entirely British the entire time. So mm-hmm. it threw me for a loop for it. I was like, wait. And I was like, no, nah, it's just a... So I don't know if the place is called that or if it's just like a... Maybe the restaurant was called that or something. Yeah. Maybe it was a restaurant on... Yeah, it may have been like an amusement arcade. It may be like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, slot machines and grab machines and things like that. Uh, one of the things that's different from the US, of course, in the UK is that gambling's okay everywhere in the country. So... Uh, you know, you you have like small gambling things mixed in with the the the, the arcade stuff at these types of places, um, so uh, that's what it, based on all the lights, that's what it looked like to me. But um, I I wonder if it's just like a because it is a beachfront location. It's you know it's a beach town uh that, mm-hmm. that they're at. Um, I I wonder if it's um, you know, in, in the same way that like if you buy like uh. Like barbecue food here, right? Like the brand yeah. might say Tex Mex on it, and it's not. You know, it's, like <laughs> I wonder if it's more of like a branding thing, just because Coney Island's such a famous, like you know, beachfront seaside mm-hmm. location. I wonder if it's just something like that where I don't know. Appropriation, <laughs> so, <laughs> cultural appropriation. That's all I can say. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's called. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Alpha. Maybe it's. Maybe I should look this up. Maybe I should Google. UK yeah, maybe, Coney Island. Maybe Coney Island tried to do like Disney, like you know how you have you have mm. Disneyland in California, Disney World in Florida, Disneyland Paris, Disneyland. Uh, I think this one in Japan. <laughs> I'm not sure what city in Japan. But yeah, but Coney Island's not like a thing that's owned by a company, though, right? It's just a place that has a lot of different things on it. Yeah, I I don't know. I believe <laughs> it or not, I've never been there, even though I lived <laughs> I lived a good probably like 40 minutes from Coney Island. I've never been there. Yeah, um, is Coney Island where where they? I feel because like, I watched Cloverfield not long ago. Is that where their like happy day of memories was? I want to say it was. Oh, I don't remember. It's I, think, been, I, think it was. I have not rewatched Cloverfield since it came out because I mm. didn't like how shaky the camera was. <laughs> I also didn't oh, like the fair. girl that they were trying to save. I was like, why are you trying to save her? She's a jerk. <laughs> they were trying to save her because she was one of the kids in Kindergarten Cop, and that makes her worth saving. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I do like Kindergarten Cop. Oh, Kindergarten Cop's great. <laughs> Who's your daddy and what does he do? Uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful film. Um mm. All right, I think we get spoilers then for uh, Saint Maud. There's a lot of juicy stuff to dig into with this one. Yes. Uh, so that is a uh, dive in. The movie opens with a very unexplained, just abstract scene where Maud is in like a like a morgue, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe even just a hospital room. But I think it had like drawers that look a morgue to me. Uh, and she's like sitting in the corner, like just you know, she's like traumatized by something. Like she's scared. She's terrified. The lights flickering. Uh, you know, it looks like a horror movie. 
and there's a dead body kind of like half hanging off of a stretcher, right? There's like a this to here. Uh, I actually got a little confused by this. I actually went back and watched this again because something about the lighting made the hair look weird to me where it looked like the hair was like more skin or something. Like it, it kind of, mm-hmm. it didn't look like hair. I, I, I think it's just the lighting. It just looks weird. But <laughs> it, I was like, is this meant to look kind of demonic? Or like, was, it, it didn't. It wasn't supposed to. It, it just, mm. it's just the visual. But uh but there's no explanation of this what's going on it just and i wasn't sure because i thought oh is this what it's building up to is this where we're going to end the movie later or is this something from our past and it, t- it turns out the movie teases out later on that this is from our past that this mm-hmm. is something but it takes a long time like we're like 40 minutes out of the movie before she runs into a character who references oh you know what you did and it's like oh, okay all right okay this is from our past right but uh we we have her narrating occasionally and it tends to be just kind of her views on religion or views on like, what she's going through and she like thanks god for giving her strength to have a second chance she believes she's destined for more you know you, you saved me god so i should you know chili mm-hmm. for more than this and she has a new posting uh at amanda's place uh and when i said the movie changes halfway through i i, I meant that I, I genuinely thought that once she was at this house with amanda that she was going to be there the entire movie uh, yeah i did too yeah but it actually shakes things up about halfway through where she ends up getting uh well fired basically because she punches her or slaps mm-hmm. her um and we'll get to that in a second but uh yeah this first part of the movie it's uh establishing these two characters and who they are it's establishing Maud as this timid character who is deeply religious and we find out that she is relatively recent as far as a conversion goes, uh, she she's not been religious her whole life. Uh, presumably, this is something she was drawn to after this incident that's teased in the opening, and we get this relationship that kind of forms between them, where Amanda clearly doesn't really believe in religion, doesn't believe in God, but is nice enough to kind of like entertain the idea for her mod's sake and kind of prays with her when she's eating kind of bonds with her a little bit gives her a book as a present at one point and she makes like one reference to oh you know mod's trying to save my soul i guess you're my savior because you're trying to like you know t- you know mm-hmm. tell god to accept me and let me in and blah 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 and mod takes this very seriously where her narration then comes back in and says you know this is why you saved me, so I could save other people. I'm going to save her soul. What's more important than that? So that, this becomes our, our goal. And, um, you know, we see some things where the people around Amanda are starting to let her down. Like this guy she knows, who's clearly like a, like a casual ex-boyfriend or whatever he is, uh, like leaves kind of in a huff because she gets sick when they're trying to have kind of a, a romantic night or whatever. Which, mm-hmm. and, and even this does a lot for Mod's character because she's like, basically claims she's going to meet friends to give them the house to themselves but she actually doesn't have friends to go see she just goes and sits on her own uh at a restaurant and then just kind of kills time interacts with a homeless person and mm-hmm. you know generally does that kind of thing um but she's there for amanda when she gets home you know she's called back she gets there she's just she cleans up the vomit she helps her into bed she's there she's kind of her rock she's stable all these things and Amanda kind of leans into her a little bit more and kind of entertains the religion a little bit a little bit more and it's through this first part of the film where we start to get more serious like hints that something's not quite right where 
the director herself referenced what we see a few times in this film as a oh what's she called was it a godgasm yeah <laughs> uh, that's what she called it a godgasm uh where she's praying and she, you know, she when, when amanda asked her at one point like you know when you pray does do you, you do you get a response does it and she's like you know, sometimes he speaks to me but most times it's more of a feeling like I, I feel his presence and we see examples of her like basically just like rolling around the floor like and you know whipping her hair around being like mm-hmm. you know oh god literally oh god like yeah <laughs> usually i don't like cgi but there was a little bit of cgi used in uh, in some of these yeah scenes. it's very it's very it's a great small. effect it it's, was such a small little thing yeah. where her mouth would open but it would open just a little too wide for a, a human t- mouth to open and, and it was uh, just just unsettling enough uh, yeah and it made her face look just a little bit long and, that, and that's the key mm-hmm. it's just a little bit it didn't go over the top there wasn't a lot of it it was just yeah. a little bit to make her feel just a little unreal. Yeah. Just a and there was one off. time where her eyes, the spacing of her eyes were just slightly too far yeah. apart too. There was just these little tweaks that is like, okay, that's unsettling. And and there's two things go through my mind during this like first section of the movie. I'm kinda of thinking, okay. Option one. No, no, this is real. And she's just mm-hmm. absolutely batshit insane. And all we're seeing this through her perspective. So we're seeing what she's seeing and feeling and mm-hmm. hearing. But none of this is real and she's just crazy. That's option one. Option two is that this is real, but this isn't God. This is something else. This mm-hmm. is something convincing her of something. Now, by the end of the movie, I do have a, I have a firm opinion. Like I, you know, I I do veer one way or the other. Um, and I I, I did read some interesting things about what other people think <laughs> about the end mm-hmm. of the movie. What's interesting. Is that the is what I read from it is what the director intended because the director has been quite open and said no this is what I intended I do think this alternate takes interesting but that's not really what I was you know thinking or saying when I was mm-hmm. when I was doing the movie but uh, we'll get into that in the ending though that's not that's not jump ahead but that that was kind of this this portion of the movie and there's there's even a scene where Amanda kind of like mimics her when they're praying together and rolls around as well obviously she's not actually feeling anything but she's mm-hmm. doing this with her and. All of a sudden, Maud has this purpose, this sense of purpose, where she's that she's just important. She feels like she's saving someone's soul. She's not just like a failure who failed to do something, who made a mistake. I think it's when she's out for you know this like period when she's out out for the night that she runs into someone she knows, and she doesn't want to speak to her clearly. But this woman comes up to her, her name's Joy, and says, "Oh, hey, Katie, you know it's been a while and." You're like, Katie? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's Maud. We, we talked about it. Yeah. We, 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 we did. Uh, and it's like, okay, she's lying about her name. But this is, Maud's not a real name, which is very interesting given, you know, the you know the whole idea of the saint. And, you know, she's asked mm-hmm. earlier on by Amanda, like, who's your saint? She says Magdalene. And it's like, oh, that's weird. I didn't realize that was, you know, one that people, you know, picked. And this idea that she, you know, ultimately sees herself as a savior and then has these delusions of becoming a saint herself that's kind of what the movie's going to get to but uh there's a reference here where katie says oh you're in private care do they know what you did <laughs> like, as if, like they may not like your your history uh and that may you know it's like, oh, okay all right okay what did she do and it's actually not even like when you actually realize what it is later, when it's properly teased, it's not even that bad. Uh, like because 
There, there's a moment later on where I thought she did something with a corpse. Like, I thought she did something nasty with a corpse at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of how it showed something. And it, 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 it isn't, though. It's actually more... It's more of an innocent mistake she made that just kind of traumatized her. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, so that's this first chunk. But the big thing that's introduced during this portion is that there's another woman who shows up uh, to see Amanda, and this woman uh, is younger, and she kind of fights her because you know, you know, Maud at the door's like, oh, it's late. She's not expecting, you know, ex- accepting visitors now. It's like, no, she's expecting me. And she comes in. And later that night or the next morning, Maud like sees her leaving and counting money. Uh, and it's like, okay, is this a prostitute? Or like, you know, you know, what's going on here? And this woman keeps coming back. And Maud was very concerned. And even sort of witnesses them kind of like dancing and kissing together at one point and is sort of watching and I need to give the movie credit here because the direction and the performances of these scenes is so good because it's so intriguing watching her react to these things and watching, like, you can just, like, see her head gears turning and her disapproval and needing to say... And not and not discuss, because, you know, the question does come up from the characters a little bit later that, like, are, are, are you, like, homophobic? Are you mm-hmm. this? Are you that? Or, or is this jealousy? You know, are, are you falling in love with Amanda and you, you're jealous? of this now unfortunately for the characters they're not remotely right <laughs> about that mm-hmm. either of these options but you know it, it presents these questions and i i mean well what did you i mean this first half of the film because this is the first half right the first half is their time together in the house mm-hmm. her growing closer with her uh, ultimately trying to come between this relationship if it is i mean because that first time made it look like she was a prostitute it made it look like she got paid uh but it also kind of feels like Amanda's really into her and kind of falling mm-hmm. for her. And Maud tells her to stay away, uh, that this is a bad bad time for her and she's taking advantage of her. And we get one of the most socially awkward, intense scenes where Amanda decides to throw a party for her birthday mm-hmm. and then brings up that Maud did this behind her back in front of everyone and sort of puts her in this really socially awkward situation and I wouldn't say you feel bad for Maud because she did do all this. Like, she is guilty of everything she's she's been accused of here. But it's so socially awkward. It's so tense. And oh, I'm... especially when they start putting, when they put the little kerchief on her head and the headband. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it reminded me of, of the scene towards the end of the Elephant Man. When the <laughs> Elephant Man was at a party and they were like, you know, pretty much making a spectacle of him. That's it's like what they did with her. They made a spectacle of her. Yeah, they're making fun of her for being too pure, mm-hmm. for being different, for being all these things. And, you know, I think one of the things in the movie that really comes up, and it's mainly through the Joy character who pops up again later, is the idea mm-hmm. that people around her maybe could have helped her if they'd noticed signs of her needing help early enough. Yeah. Right? It's too, the damage is too far gone now, right? She, she's, she's too far gone at this point. And... Joy's making an effort. She comes to see her later on. She wants to try and build a bridge and like, and mm. it feels quite genuine. But obviously, like it needed to happen before this incident. She was, you know, it's just she implies that it was already she was already got on a path before that point, mm-hmm. um, of loneliness, of sadness, of delusion, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when Amanda says something nasty to her at this party, Maud slaps her and causes mm-hmm. a bloody nose. And of course, you know, typically speaking, if you're a living nurse assaults the patient, it yeah. tends to lead to the dismissal of that uh, live-in nurse. Uh, so this is where things really shake up, and it and she kind of sees this like again. Our narration becomes really important because our narration talks about how okay, I tried to do this, and you know I failed. I failed you, or you're not there for me to help me. So now I'm going to go and sin. I'm going to go, and she basically goes out almost like a predator, where she goes out in a nice top to a bar with the sole intention of possibly, you know, meeting men and, and doing lustful things. Like, that's basically what she's trying to do. And this was, like, really refreshing, not because of the content, the, the content mm-hmm. of the scenes, but more because she's been so reserved and timid and, like, so at least attempting to be pure the whole movie up until this point, that her rebelling against her god... It's kind of a big deal. It's like a, such a, a mm-hmm. pivot for, for the character. Um, so this was this is really just fascinating stuff, and it, it kind of made it feel like okay, this movie's not lulling. It's it's starting to f- like refreshing itself now at this point, mm-hmm. halfway through. And uh, I, I think because cause do you think like if if it had been them in the house the whole time, do you think the movie would have been able to keep your interest? No, and you know this about me that i'm not a fan of bottle films so, oh yes that's so right. this so i'm i'm glad that it made a total shift at the at the point that it did and also i was very surprised at what she did like when she first goes out to the bar and she's in the bathroom with that one gentleman i was like is she really okay oh that's what she's doing and then when she very awkwardly tries to interact with the people at the table next to her that was that scene was so interesting because it's like she was trying to mimic human behavior in a way, even though she's human, but like there's something not quite right about her. Yeah. I, and I, when... Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think any scene in the movie exemplifies how she's probably felt her whole life and her sitting mm-hmm. across from that table with like a group of like four friends who are laughing and joking and her trying to join in with the laughter. And then mm-hmm. just been like, who is this crazy bitch? Try to mm-hmm. like laugh with us. Oh, and she she bumps into the uh the gentleman with the I think he had a beard. Yeah, the beard. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, you owe me a beer." And the next thing we know, she's riding him like <laughs> like a pro. I'm just like I'm like, "Wow, Maud. <laughs> wow." <laughs> well, there's an implication that she did have a history of this before oh, yeah. uh, she became religious because he says, "Oh, I think one of my friends uh, hooked up with you back in the day." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But was like, yeah, these sexual encounters, because there's two of them, you say, there's the one in the bathroom, which mm-hmm. was, obviously it's really depressing and kind of sad, and there's nothing, like, sexy about it, but mm-hmm. there was a slight dark bit of humour to it, where she's just very robotically just jerking him off, mm-hmm. and then is disappointed when he finishes, but it also didn't feel like it was going anywhere else. It, it, yeah. It, it was just like, it was like, it was like the sexual equivalent of a polite handshake. Mhm. A lot of handshaking, admittedly, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the actual sex scene with the other guy, uh, where yeah, she she's riding like a pro, as you put it. But mm-hmm. every time he tries to touch her with his hands, she's like slapping them away, like no, 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 this is not personal. Like that, mm-hmm. you you're a you're a tool to be used for the sin, and that's it. There's no connection. There's no intimacy here. There's no emotion. 
Um, but this is when she has this like flashback to mm-hmm. uh, her incident, which is what made me think: was this sexual? Was the incident sexual with this corpse? Uh, what what it actually does imply though is that she basically tried to administer CPR on someone who was dying, and mm-hmm. pushed too hard and went into the person's chest, and this kind of freaked her out. She was on her own, and she, you know, arguably she maybe did like act you know against her training or something like you know maybe she did cross a line or do something unprofessional in her conduct but it you know it, like yeah again like i was thinking she might have like done some something necrophiliac mm. <laughs> and i don't th- i don't think it is though i don't think it is i i think i was just because of the connection with the sex scene mm-hmm. uh, and that's when she has this this flashback um but everything, everything about like this section is—it's really well done, performed, and directed. But it's so depressing. It's this mm-hmm. sad, pathetic, like existence where there's no real connections with anyone. She's been—I I can't even just say she's being used because she was using him too. I mean, it's a two-way street of just pathetic loneliness. But it's this sad thing where she is just completely and utterly alone, and she goes home stumbling because she's so drunk and she kind of like over this next part of the movie apologizes for go- to god wants forgiveness wants an even greater purpose and kind of realizes that you know yeah that all these obstacles are just in the way of me achieving what you set me out to do which was to save this woman's soul and it's like mm-hmm. oh no she's going to like start stalking her she's going to like try and go after amanda and you really start to feel like is she going to do something violent? Because it kind of feels like it may go that way. It's, it's starting to feel that sense of the, the the foreboding dread, and that's really cool. So, but you know, the, she sort of does this penance thing to, like to prove mm-hmm. her devotion, which it's like a self. Is it called self flagellation when you like um, physically harm yourself? Yeah, uh, she, while during prayer or something like that. It's a very. She puts nails. Or, or pins or, or whatever in the bottom of her shoes mm-hmm. and then puts her and she kneeled in. she kneeled on popcorn kernels which i know that's gotta hurt yeah 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 i was eating popcorn actually when i was watching that i'd, I'd, fin- <laughs> I'd finished it in the i mean I, this was like too far in the movie i was long done but it was just kind of funny to me that i was eating microwave popcorn and then sure enough she opens a bag of microwave popcorn and starts using that there's also there's not a lot of gross stuff in this movie, but there is a couple of moments where she's like scratching like a scab at one mm-hmm. point. But yeah, the nails and the and the and the shoes, and then she actually goes for a walk outside, like with these nails in her in her feet, and it's all very, you know, bib- you know, the idea of nails and flesh is very biblical, mm-hmm. you know, immediately, right? Uh, and there's even a scene as we're building up to kind of where this is going. She, she kind of stalks the uh, the new nurse a little bit, uh, the woman who's now looking after Amanda. And even sits and talks to her, uh, sort of casually without revealing who she is. You know, just kind of mm-hmm. having a, a chat about her. Um, and this woman is completely pleasant and seems like she takes her job seriously and likes being there for people who are dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Maud gets offended at the idea that she's just accepting that she's going to die, and you know that's just you know that's life. You know, she's there to make it comfortable mm-hmm. and nice for them. But you know that's ultimately what it is. And Maud's like, no, 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 I need to go save her soul. <laughs> I need to go save her soul, mm-hmm. damn it. She, there's a scene where she talks to God. And this this sounds like it could be silly, but it's not. It's, it's actually 
it's done super well it's and kind of creepy you know, it's super well this is the thing i'm still thinking is this really god this sounds like a demon yeah <laughs> uh what's so funny is i didn't realize i assumed this was latin it was actually welsh yeah uh which is yeah. really funny and what i also didn't know is that this actress was also voicing god uh mm-hmm. during the scene uh this was her modulated voice speaking welsh talking back to her which makes sense and it's actually partly why i 100 percent on board of no this is all in her head this is all just her mm-hmm. there is nothing supernatural going on here um, that's also why i compared it to um lars von trier he did a movie many years ago sometime in the 90s that was called breaking the waves and it was also about a woman who felt like she was talking to god and mm. She it was her voice responding to herself as God, and and it took place in a beachfront town, but um it doesn't say specifically where in the UK it took place. But what's interesting is most of the actors it's actually a Scandinavian film, but it doesn't take place in in Scandinavia. It takes place in the UK. I don't know probably because it's Lars von Trier and it's, it was starring um Stellan Skarsgård and uh. Either Emily Watson or Emma Watson. I get them confused. <laughs> one of the one of the Watsons. One, one of the Watsons. Yeah. A uh, similar premise of a, a very a very mousy, super religious woman who feels that she can talk to God and God is talking back to her. Yeah, I, I actually really like movies because I really liked a movie by Mickey Keaton a few years ago called Darling. I would mm-hmm. I, I really liked that movie. Is that the the one that was in black and white? Yeah, yeah, black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember her religion necessarily being this strong in that, but that, that was definitely a character where there was a slow build of like, okay, this little timid woman is trying to like incorporate herself into society and it feels like it's going to go bad, but you always have this feeling that she's the one who's going to do bad things. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, when it's done well, I really like that. That The, you know, the idea that the, the, the least suspecting person, the one who you'd think, oh, I could take them in a fight. I'm not, why am I scared of this little person like you know she's she's like five foot one you know mm-hmm. doesn't have any meat on her like almost anyone can knock her out why would you be scared right but the idea that they're the most dangerous person in the room and that they're going to do something really nasty is a, 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 just a, an interesting flip on things um and yeah so she has this scene where she talks to god and k- kind of like you know spurs her on to like the the, the final part of the movie and, you know there's a couple of scenes it's, i think it's a uh, I assume it's New Year's because there's fireworks outside where she actually floats. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's uh, I think she is this when she's drunk. I can't remember specifically. There's, there's a lot going on here at this part of the movie, uh, but she kind of floats. And again, it's like, is this in her head? Is this literally happening? All this kind of thing. I, I think this is actually right before she tries to repent because she. This is kind of the, her religious experience that kind of mm-hmm. brings her back into the fold and makes her want to like fulfill her purpose and you know, worship God again. But this is kind of what spurs on her final thing, and she kind of stakes out the house. Um, and But I think what's great about this conversation is just how it never feels silly. It always feels scary and intimidating. And it, it because I think you, are, you always have the idea, even if you're considering that this might all be real, you always have the possibility, I think, as a viewer, that this is just in her head. And I think in the context of that, that this is just in her head, convincing herself that she needs to do this and and this is you know worth where, for me what the movie is really about it's about this character who because they're ostracized from society because they never feel like they fit in because they feel so lonely that they find a purpose because they want to feel important they've never felt important in their life so they come up with a purpose that makes mm-hmm. them feel special 
and you you know you can tie this to like or more organized things where how people become indoctrinated into cults or or terrorism or other things like that but this is a more introverted take on it where someone like you you can see this being the story of someone who turns into a serial killer or a mass shooter or something like that you you could definitely see how this is that someone who connects to something in such an obsessive way in a delusional way that they become convinced of something like they give themselves a task that they can achieve that will make them feel like they have fulfilled their divine purpose and it makes them feel like they are important like they're the the most important because they've got a mission from god <laughs> kind of kind of i didn't mean that it's like uh, blues brothers but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah we're on a mission from god <laughs> but that was a great movie but like that that's kind of the to, to me what this movie ultimately is and it and once that kind of clicked as we're get, going into kind of this third act to the film like like it, I think what you want from any story as it goes into its third act is to love the direction it's taking because it feels like mm-hmm. the satisfying end point for where the movie's been building to. And sometimes I think horror more than any genre can sometimes falter there because it's very easy to just not... It's very easy to want to just shock the audience and just do scary things or whatever. But the fact that this is such a good character film where everything about the film is building up to who she is why she is the way she is, what motivates her, and this delusion. And there's a scene, kind of, it's right before she's about to leave for the day to go and do, you know, her final day of things. You know, because she, she even puts, she gets her bed sheet and puts it over her, like it's a mm-hmm. like a religious kind of garb, and she has a, a cross that she's wearing outside, so she looks like a saint. You know, she's got it's the poster basically. Um, mm-hmm. and this joy character comes over to see her, and tries to just talk to her and say, hey, you know, and say, even says the lines, you know, yeah, I wanted to apologize, A, because I, how I reacted when I saw you the other night, but also because, you know, we, we should have been there for you. We, you know, you needed some help before that happened and we should have been there. And it's trying to reach out. And it's, it's a case of, you know, it's too late to have an effect, but that's, that's a sad part of it is, is that usually it sometimes is too late when you actually notice that someone is this far gone. Mm-hmm. And that maybe, you know, there is a sort of positive message in here of like, paying attention to people who need help and and the scene was very tense because there were moments where i thought that maude was going to hurt her oh yeah, yeah i thought that too <laughs> yeah because because maude's dead silent for most of the scene mm-hmm. she's just listening and not responding to anything she says and she picks up some chemicals and a lighter at one point and i thought that she was going to like do something to to her in that moment but then she yeah. puts them back down and walks over and just very gently touches her on her face and kisses her on the cheek and tells her thank you yeah yeah uh and it's a very sort of like religious goodbye kind of thing mm-hmm. like uh you know i mean there's jokes to be made here about priests kissing people <laughs> but you know like you know, so, uh, the innocent way of of it <laughs> rather yeah. than the more scandalous way that maybe has happened in history um recent history probably all mm-hmm. history but certainly that we know of recent history um so yeah this scene is excellent it's a very really really well done scene uh and it's worth mentioning she she has been showing throughout the movie to be flicking a lighter and there's no context for it or for why she Mm -hmm. has it because she doesn't smoke she doesn't use it really and it's not until the very final scene where it kind of becomes clear like you know what that's been building up to and you could probably, and if you're listening to the spoiler section, you've not seen the movie. You can probably guess, given the, the the hints we've given you at this point, but 
she sneaks in to the house to amanda's house when the the nurse has left this one doesn't live there or maybe she's just leaving for a while to go do something who knows but we heard that she's gotten worse since since maud left and maud comes up to see her and amanda actually sort of has this moment of reflection where she says like i'm sorry i, I was mean to you um you know, you shouldn't have done what you did, but I, I was, you know, I was especially awful. I was vindictive and it's trying to kind of make some amends because she knows she's dying soon. And it's, um, and I think it's an interesting contrast actually, because you, you do hear a lot of stories of people, people who kind of like sort of turn to religion when they're dying, when mm-hmm. they know they're dying because they want some comfort. They want to know there's an afterlife. And it's interesting to compare Maud to a character like that who isn't believing that. You know, Amanda never has, even though she sort of gives Maud the impression she is earlier on, she never actually does. She she still says at this point, you know, this isn't real. There is no afterlife. There is no God. I, I am just, you know, I'm dying. Um, and I think a lot of movies would present a character like that as the one who's wrong because they want the, you know, to have this uplifting. But there's the, an interesting dynamic here where Maud's the one who is like, become obsessed with this idea to make herself give herself comfort and feel important whereas the person who's dying has not and while mm-hmm. she has been a let's face it a bit of a bitch throughout the film she actually comes across here at the end as being more level-headed as being mm-hmm. more at peace with what's about to happen and like i think that's an interesting contrast there and i don't think the movie's like being like you know super anti-religious necessarily i don't think it's saying everyone who's religious is deluded but it's definitely examining how someone can take a an organized belief like religion and really kind of manipulate it and be delusional with it to a a, Mm -hmm. to a dangerous level right i I think it's definitely exploring that with this character and it's interesting to give us this contrasting character who you might think would maybe turn to religion towards the end but ultimately, that's just not who she is, and she's never going to. And obviously, this has the big, you know, the dramatic ending where Maud is convinced she sees the devil in mm-hmm. in Amanda, and we know that. And at this point, I think everyone, most people, I think, would just agree this is in her head. Like this. Oh yeah. Because she 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 backs in fear, and then ultimately grabs this fancy pair of scissors and just stabs what she thinks is this evil being repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But when we cut to reality at the end of it, you know, it's Amanda's just lying there dead, having been stabbed repeatedly with these scissors. And it's like, oh shit, okay. Obviously, this is where we've really crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for a moment, just for a moment when that first happened, I did think, oh, wow, maybe Maud was right for that. Because it was so startling to me. I didn't expect her to, you know, change into this demonic uh, entity. You know, this also, you know, through Maud's eyes, not in reality but for a moment i was like oh my gosh maude is right but then when you see the final ending it's solidified that no that was all in her head and there's a really sort of dark irony that Mm -hmm. she believed she was going to save this woman's soul and all she actually did was kill a dying woman before she died naturally like she you know Mm -hmm. like she just I mean, I'm not going to say it's more harsh. Ar- arguably, it's less tragic than killing someone who's got a life to live, but, you know, than someone who's going to be dead soon anyway. And, and, and that's a really cold, logical way of looking at it, but there is kind of a really sad, like, you know, this woman had maybe days, weeks, whatever left, mm-hmm. and you took that from her. It almost seems like more spiteful uh, in yeah. a weird way. And not, and not that she made that choice 
from that perspective she you know she's deluded she thinks she's you know stopping a demon or, or whatever but it's a really stark moment and i've said this before and people are going to think i'm a psychopath but there's something about rapid stabbing in a movie that i find very like satisfying as a mm-hmm. as a scene uh it just it feels very visceral and very violent and i think in this case it really because even though we're seeing this demonic version of her you know that this is really just her stabbing a sick old woman and it's it's i mean she's not that old but sick you know she's really meek in the, by this point in the movie but she's just stabbing this woman and it just comes off to oh my god she is absolutely a psychopath and that and that's where the you know in my head i'm thinking of like this could be someone who turned into a master or this could be someone who turned into anything and exploring the delusion of that person and like what brought them to that point uh is so well done and like we said before there's cg used here to alter amanda uh, to mm-hmm. the demonic version but it doesn't go too far it's just yeah, it's, enough i feel like subtle changes are creepier than yeah. big changes and the execution of the scene was really legitimately creepy and it's, it's a movie that doesn't have a lot of creepy scenes right it has a lot mm-hmm. of brooding tone which is uh, arguably more effective and more important but because it only has a few really creepy sequences that does something truly horror-esque, if you will. Um, which is not to say that the rest of the movie is not a horror movie, because it absolutely is. But when it does those super creepy horror moments, it's so effective because it's not been doing them every two minutes. It's it's held them, it's built to them, and because you have this real horror of this woman just turned into a murderer, mm-hmm. it feels way more... You know, when you watch any other supernatural ghost movie, they, they may be fun, they may be really well executed and all these things, but because this has, has this underlying thing of, this is actually just a woman going nuts and killing someone. She just mm-hmm. murdered someone, and that makes it feel, have this like underlying darkness to it that just makes it feel sinister and sad and horrifying in a way that just a ghost killing someone or just a, even just like a, a, a slasher villain killing someone uh, doesn't have uh because this is a character that we've been following who is now falling to this and it's mm-hmm. it's sad it's a tragedy you know it's ultimately it's a tragedy uh and then there's the ending which is you know there's one final sequence he walks out to the beach holding a big 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 uh bottle of uh, acetone and and uh and it's a proper religious thing i think to like set yourself on fire you know that's a very mm-hmm. religious way of you know Commit suicide. Uh, and... uh, Im- I think it's called self-immolation. Yeah, uh, when you yeah. set yourself on fire. Yeah. Uh, so she just starts pouring it over her head, and you, you hear like you know some people start to notice because you know it's, it's it's daytime at this point. There's people sort of mm-hmm. starting to notice, and someone you hear, you hear someone say, "Someone stop her!" <laughs> Everyone's like too scared to go up to her because she's like covered in you know flammable liquid and is you know presumably about to set herself on fire, and she does. Now before she does this, there's a scene at her place where she looks at the mirror and she's got like angel wings it's like glowing angel wings mm-hmm. and this is the sort of thing where if this was to be taken seriously it might feel silly but because this is in her head and she sees herself as having saved someone she is now a saint <laughs> she's now mm-hmm. this the savior figure uh it plays really well because this is the magical thing she would think she'd see you know it's this ridiculous visual and when she burns herself she smiles and instead mm-hmm. of flames you see glowing light 
and you see the angel wings again and all the people on the beach are staring they stop running and just get down on their knees as if they pray and it's this biblical thing and one of the other images throughout the movie that is constantly you know it's constantly brought back to is at one point she sees it in the tea which is the idea of a vortex appearing in the mm-hmm. tea she sees it in a few other places in the film just little hints and she sees it in the sky appearing at one point here at the end this vortex starts to appear over the water uh, in mm-hmm. the ocean and it's the idea that she's going to maybe fly up through the the vortex and this is her ascending but right before the movie cuts the credits it just cuts to the reality just for like one second yeah and, and it's just the reality of her screaming on fire mm-hmm. because that's what's really happening right now um that was jarring to me that like that like shook me up for a moment because i was not expecting that <laughs> I, I think it was a perfect ending yeah like, the, it was i like because i'm thinking she's just on fire and all of this is just what she's seeing mm-hmm. uh and then you get that one moment of reality just to really let it sink in and just cut into you and you're like oh my god this is such a tragic story of how someone needed help didn't get it became deluded because she needed to feel purpose mm-hmm. and that purpose became tragic and it, it just all of this was like i i am sure like a like an analysis from like a therapist would probably be a fascinating thing to read about this movie because it would probably get into this nitty gritty of like all these things that are, are going on and um the the alternate take that i that uh some people have of this is actually um that there is some reality going on here uh it's that god is real mm-hmm. but god she's still deluded to the point where god didn't want her to kill someone god didn't want her to do any of the stuff that she actually did uh but god was real uh in the context of the story and the ending isn't so much cut into reality, it's cut into her burning in hell because she murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I... Like, I, I'm still fir- firmly on this is just her burning in reality. This was all mm-hmm. just in her head. But it's a fun interpretation. Like, I, I don't begrudge someone for having some fun with it and thinking about it in a different way. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thoughts on the ending? Thoughts <laughs> thoughts on this character's journey (laughs) i think the ending is what nails this movie like i if it didn't have that impactful of an ending i don't think i would have liked it as much i i like where this ending went sure especially from the the time period of her going to see amanda having the delusion of amanda being possessed to you know the 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 walk on the beach and the self-immolation it was just if I mean, I, the word that comes to my mind is beautiful, even though this is tragic and and dark, but it's also beautiful. Yeah, to her, it's beautiful. Everything she sees is, you know, is is, is this yeah. beautiful imagery, and it does, it does look spectacular. And then you cut to that mm-hmm. that horrible reality, which is just there's just a woman on fire, mm-hmm. crying in pain. Um, it's like everything about it, like it feels like it's building to something dark. And to mm-hmm. the movie's credit, it does not feel like it disappoints. And it doesn't feel like it undercuts or, you know, it doesn't feel like it underdelivers on the darkness that it's, it's sort of building to. It feels as horrific as it was building to the entire time. Mm-hmm. And that feels, it's weird to say satisfying. That makes it sound like we're sickos. But it is, like, as a, yeah. as a tragic ending, it's satisfying to what was being built throughout the whole film. Um, And 
you know, I was expecting things from it. I had heard some good buzz. The trailer was good. Uh, we said it was vague, but it was good. You know, how to give you a sense of mm-hmm. stale and tone, which is always what I like from a, a trailer for a movie like this. Um, but now I, I came out of this feeling really, really enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it because it it always just felt like it was every scene felt like it was telling me more about this character, examining mm-hmm. how she thinks, how she sees the world, how she sees the people around her. And this idea that she tries to rebel and is punished for it. And then, you know, we said, you know, the ending nails the movie. I wanted to make a joke about, well, no, no, the shoes <laughs> nailed the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just cannot not make puns. <laughs> um, oh, also, I mentioned to you earlier about watching this at two o'clock in the morning, which is the perfect time to watch it. And in the dark, in the quiet, cell phone turned over. Like, this is the type of movie you want to give it your full attention if if you're watching it. Absolutely, and it's perfectly paced as well. It's only like 85 minutes. It does not waste a second. It, everything is important. Everything is informing of the main character. Um, and Amanda as well, when, when she's relevant. But everything that Amanda is, is there because it's relevant to her main character. This is a, this is a movie firmly about one character, and it's in her head, it's from her perspective, and it's an unreliable perspective. It's a perspective that is skewed. Um, and it, as someone who's a bit of an introvert, I mean, nothing like this, obviously, but as someone who's a bit of an introvert, like, there are those social moments where she's uncomfortable that there's a party being thrown, or she's uncomfortable that there's things going on that she doesn't want to be around. And there's, there's those little things that do feel a little bit relatable, even if, like, so much of what she is is extreme or uh, is, like, off the deep end in all these different ways. There's these little human moments that do ground her in like a sense of reality where she feels like a real person as much as what she believes is ridiculous and she's having these nerdgasm and that's actually nerdgasm sorry <laughs> i'm too used to the phrase nerdgasm <laughs> nerdgasm is something we all have from time to time no mm-hmm. but she's having these godgasms and i think that's actually something that I, I didn't bring up in the sex scene but i think it's interesting how robotic and unfulfilled and unsatisfied and just i mean not even just like she wasn't having an orgasm. She wasn't even stimulated. She was just riding like a robot and like nothing mm-hmm. was happening. It was completely soulless. And then you compare that to earlier in the movie where she's like on the floor going, oh, oh, mm-hmm. God, oh. Like, you know, give me that big D, big G, or whatever someone <laughs> says to God. And with that, you'll never be able to run for public office. <laughs> they'll, find, they'll find a video of you saying, give me that big D, big G. <laughs> Look, it's not often I get to crack a joke about mm-hmm. God screwing someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when the opportunity comes knocking, mm-hmm. you take it. <laughs> Look, it's a super serious movie with, and it's really well done. Mm-hmm. So it's not maybe one that we crack as many jokes for, but there's got to be room for a little bit of humor. Yeah, okay? yeah. Right? This isn't blind where I'm just making fun of everything that's in it because it's terrible. This is actually a really good, well done movie that mm-hmm. should be praised, that should be seen. I'd recommend it to people. Um, you know? Oh, definitely. I, I actually wrote down movies out that I would recommend. If you like these movies, you probably like this one as well. I wrote down Possessor. His house, the lodge, good night, mommy. If if you find yourself really enjoying those type of films, I think you would enjoy this one as well. 
What's interesting is that that's a mix of films here. Uh, I like Possessor a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think The Lodge I was disappointed in. I thought it got kind of murky in its storytelling the more it went on. Uh, and then Goodnight Mummy, I like more than The Lodge. I love it, but I did like, mm-hmm. you know, I liked it. I, it but yeah, yeah. Not, not a bad list. I, I would throw in uh, Darling as a mm-hmm. as one, because I brought that up earlier. It's something that kind of fits this mold a little bit. But... Oh, really, really good. Um, I, I, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't happen as much as we would like it to, obviously. But I think when you start a movie and you're kind of feeling it right away, like, <clears throat> like the opening few scenes, like there's just as she's leaving her, her little house, like it's this little one tiny apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she walks out and she's got this big stairway. Even just the shots of her walking down those stairs just feels super like intentional and poignant and just they feel kind of mundane this world around her is gray and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like sad and depressing and lonely uh everything about the movie you know it's got that kind of it's it's a little bit warm but it's it's not like super colorful or vibrant and that's very intentional and when she's in like the like the the beachfront kind of you know the arcades and the around the the bright lights of the of all the the beachfront sort of like lively you know like scenery um, she feels so out of place because her world is so quiet and mm-hmm. sad and like this is almost like an ironic image her standing next to all these bright lights because it's loud and colourful and vibrant and everything she isn't and mm-hmm. I think I th- like that it gave yeah. a, a feel for the area I love when mm-hmm. movies make you feel like you like you've been to a, a, a place from her, her apartment building to uh, Amanda's house to the boardwalk and the restaurant or pub maybe that she was in you got a feel for this area that she was in absolutely yeah you, you really get a sense of the setting um mm-hmm. and the way it's directed and the visual is just doing nothing but kind of give the movie the feel that it wants to have and but like i said it's, it's so rewarding when you you're feeling a movie in the first like 10 minutes and so many movies especially in horror kind of fall apart or maybe lose mm-hmm. steam or like there's definitely a lot of movies horror movies where i'll watch them and go you know what as a as a 20 minute short that might have been amazing but they, they didn't know how to make it a 90 minute movie or mm-hmm. something but that's this... what i feel about uh color out of space like they i mean this is mostly going back to the location sure i never got a feel for that farm it just felt like scenes and made in different sets but it never felt like a farm or a town or they just didn't give you a feel for that place yeah i, I like color out of space uh i kind of agree with that statement though I, I i like some of the i didn't love it as much as i wanted to admittedly but i did mm-hmm. like you know nick cage is fun and the yeah practical effects are good uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I thought all four of the, the family characters were well done and likable and, mm-hmm. and and whatnot but um but the, 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 this movie you know it, it, it's it's paced so well everything feels important and it it builds to a climax that never feels like it it's underwhelming from where it began everything mm-hmm. clicks uh it's earned the climax is very much earned yes uh and unlike the main character it does have a climax <laughs> sorry it was, it was a cheap joke <laughs> Uh, and that's actually not even that true she, she, she didn't have a climax in the sex scene she had many a climax yeah, while she was praying she, yeah she did have a god she had two godgasms that i i can recall <laughs> I mean, 
hell if preen did that for me i'd be i'd be doing it <laughs> I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah sure i'll pray to the almighty every night <laughs> but you know alas uh so yeah and obviously that that, that introduces the idea that there's something sexual about this uh and then you actually get to the sexual stuff which doesn't do anything for her and you know it just shows you how disconnected from everything she she really is and yeah so what wonderful character study of a film wonderful mm-hmm. tragedy that builds at a perfect pace I, I really can't say enough nice things this is mm-hmm. and a great first movie Ama- oh, yeah. amazing first movie yeah for for a feature debut this is this is wonderful stuff you know um the director here uh rose glass i was gonna say i was gonna say miss rose i, I, I knew mm-hmm. one was rose uh, rose glass like is now on my radar uh, going mm-hmm. forward, I, I will see works that she has done going forward without question because this was this was wonderful. So, um, and if anything, I think I like it even more after talking about it and thinking about it and mm-hmm. you know going further into it. Uh, which I guess leads us to the the ultimate question: Is Shasha, what are you going to rate Saint Maud out of ten? I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I I, I think I'm going to. I'm going to just slightly up yeah a little bit and go 8.5. I'm going to go 8.5 as a, a great film uh, and I would recommend it uh, happily. So, uh, and, and I think safely probably the best movie we've done on Sacred Hockey Mask thus far. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. yeah. It's definitely the highest one I've, that I I've, uh, can recall rating on, on the Sacred Hockey Mask. So, That'll be cool. And, you know, when we get to the end of the year and if we're doing, like, top tens, uh... well, this isn't from this year, I suppose, so this wouldn't count. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it! That was a flaw in my plan. Oh, well. Uh, But that is, uh, that's our thoughts on St. Maud. It's a very good film. Gets a seal of approval. Gets, uh, eight and a half machetes. Uh, uh, okay, so that is St. Maud. Uh, you can let us know what you think of St. Maud in the comments below, so please do like and subscribe and ding the bell as well. All those things help out YouTube channels a lot, so it would help out if you do. Uh, just hit those buttons and maybe leave a comment if you if you feel so inclined. Uh, you can, of course, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash TV and support us financially for as little as $1 per month, and that $1 will get you a bonus episode every month. And, of course, the higher tiers have things like voting for an episode every month and uh, other goodies as well. So go have a look and see if you're interested. I'll also take this time to thank our Patreon producers, which is one of the higher tiers, of course. But thank you to Tyler Hess and the Palisades, David Short, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, they're our producers for the month. So thank you very much to them. Uh, get us on the Twitters, at Screams Midnight. Uh, that's the Mailed Fuzz Movies Twitter. It used to be the Streams After Midnight Twitter, hence the the name, but now it incorporates that, but also Secret Hockey Mask and the Atomic Cinema Experiment. So, uh, And also check out those shows too. Why not? Uh, Streams After Midnight's more horror, and the Ace, uh, the Atomic Cinema Experiment, is science fiction movies, that, uh, and I would do that with Tara. So uh, go and have a, have a look at that stuff. Um, Shasha, pimp your channel. What we just have coming up is more Coast Coast Horror with Crystal and Shasha. And we just posted two episodes about our adventures in Florida. One where we went to the um, spiritualist community called Casadega and visited a fairy trail, an enchanted fairy trail. And we also went to Orlando Ghost Adventures, where we actually got to use some ghost hunting equipment and encountered some spirits in downtown Orlando. Cool. There you go. 
I also uh, noticed you referred to yourself in the third person at one point in that. Uh, oh, I didn't show. mean to. <laughs> I was just calling the title of the show. I didn't mean to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to come off as, as a sociopath. <laughs> I always look at people funny when they refer to themselves as a third person. Like, you know you're talking about yourself. That's fine. I'm okay with everyone thinking you're a sociopath. That can be your, that can be your gimmick. <laughs> Could be a gimmick. All right, that is uh, that is the show. That is Sacred Talking Mask. Uh, mm -hmm. So thank you very much for joining us uh, once again. I think that's maybe episode nine. Oh wow, that went by fast. I know. So yeah, big episode ten coming next week. Uh, will the movie live up to this one? A tall order. Tall order. This mm -hmm. was a very highly rated movie. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it does. But uh, uh, you'll find out next time. Uh, but yeah, that is us. So once again, thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies. And remember that if you see someone wearing the sacred mask, repeat to yourself, talk is Susan ended months ago.